Well, good morning. It's so great to see everybody this morning. Thank you so much for joining us here at Cinema World in a movie theater for church. We love the Lord, and it doesn't matter where we are. We can just lift him up and worship him together. So great to be here with you. And thank you for spending some of your weekend here with us. And so we've been in a series called, What Would Jesus Undo? And it's been really powerful. Our lead pastor, Aaron Olinsky, kicked us off in that series with a powerful message. If you missed that one, make sure you check that out on our podcast. Um, But I'm so excited also that it's finally fall. I don't know if anyone else feels the same way. I know you can't really necessarily tell in the weather. Maybe, you know, we had a little bit of a cool breeze one day, which was nice, right? But other than that, you can't really tell it's fall, right? right? But I always know when it's fall because my birthday's in the fall. And so I'm always excited for when the fall comes and it's so nice. And so I've actually begun making a list of what I want for my birthday because my husband needs a list. Um, It's just wise for me to make him a list because he has a track record. So trust me, he needs a list. Um, so much so that there's there's one, one instance of him giving me a gift that is just in the record books. And so I need to share it with you this morning because um, it's definitely in the record books of gifts he has given me. And so hence I make the list for him. It's just, it's necessary. You'll agree with me when you hear the story. So one time he, he got a gift for me, and it was actually at Christmas time a number of years ago. Our, our children were a lot younger then. And so normally at Christmas time, I actually purchase all the presents for everybody, for everybody, and wrap them and put them under the tree. And so I know, what, I know everything that's under the Christmas tree. Every year I know what's under there, and I know who's getting what. And so I get excited, you know, Christmas morning to watch everybody open it because I know what everything is, um, including most of my stuff. Um, <laughs> but this one year, you know, my husband decided she needs something under the tree that she has no idea it's there, right? So he took it upon himself to buy me a gift <clears throat> that I didn't know about. So it comes time to open, you know, so I start opening this gift and I'm unwrapping it and I'm quite, you know, surprised, first of all, that it's there. I didn't expect it. So I'm opening it and I go and wrap and I open the box and I just look in the box at this ridiculous, crazy pair of high heel black shoes, like the most ridiculous pair of shoes you've ever seen. Four inch heels, like huge platform, just ridiculous. Like I would never wear them or purchase them ever. And here I'm opening this gift of of these crazy shoes. So I'm like, just staring at them like, um, okay. And, you know, my kids, you know, being so young, they were just like, oh, mommy, those are so pretty. And I'm like, um, okay. And then, you know, of course, my husband thinks it's hysterical. So he's like, put them on, try them on. We want to see them on. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. You know, so I put these shoes on, which I can barely walk in and I'm afraid I'm going to break my ankle any second. So, uh, but it's just, I didn't know what to do opening this gift, right? It's just like, I didn't really like them or want them. So it's, how do you respond to that? You're, you're just kind of like, okay. And 
Maybe you've received a gift like that before where you just didn't like it or you didn't want it and you didn't really know what to do. Or maybe you were actually a gift giver to somebody and, and you maybe actually got a really, really nice present, not crazy high heel black shoes, but maybe you actually got somebody something really, really nice. Like you put a ton of thought into it. You planned and you prepared and you know that person and you love them. And so it was just this perfect present that you found for them and you wrapped it up beautifully and you gave it to them and they go and they unwrap it and look inside and they just kind of go, huh. And they set it aside and move on. Have you ever had that happen to you? It's devastating, right? And I feel like this reminds me of how Jesus must feel sometimes with the incredible gift that he has given us of, of his life, of him being beaten and tortured and, and put to death for us on our behalf so that we could have salvation, so that we could be connected with God. And so, so Jesus has given us this incredibly amazing and beautiful gift wrapped amazingly. And we've opened it up and we've looked at it. Oh, and then we've set it aside because we can go days, weeks, sometimes even months without even thinking about Jesus, without even engaging in our relationship with him. Some of us, we, we can do that, right? It's the, must be the way Jesus feels, the same way we feel when we've given an amazing gift to somebody and they put it aside, right? And so looking at this series, what would Jesus undo today? We're actually going to look at spiritual indifference because I believe Jesus would want to undo spiritual indifference. He actually wrote a letter to a church in the book of Revelation exactly about this topic. And if you've ever read the book of Revelation, it may seem a little confusing to you, but Jesus is writing seven letters to seven different churches. And in some of the letters to, to some churches, he's commending them for incredible love towards their brothers and sisters and welcoming other people in. And he's commending other churches for, for other things. And then he's also taking this opportunity to say, listen, you need to know what's going on. This is not right. And you need to make a change. And so that's where we find Jesus writing this particular letter in the book of Revelation to the church in Laodicea. And so Laodicea is a city, and it was actually a very powerful city, very powerful. And right before Jesus wrote this letter to them, their city had actually been destroyed, completely destroyed. But they went ahead and rebuilt it, and they rebuilt it even more amazing and powerful and really, really strong, very strong city. And so the one thing about this city, though, was that they had an inadequate water supply. They didn't have enough water in the city. And so what they had to do, actually, is build aqueducts, bringing water all the way from, from the source to their city. And so if you can imagine water traveling through an aqueduct, 
And over, it's traveling from where it starts all the way to the city over that time. And it's gathering dirt and it's getting warm. And so by the time it reaches the city, you've got dirty, warm water, right? And Jesus is using this example to talk about spiritual indifference. Because imagine you being incredibly, incredibly thirsty and you go and you grab a cup of this water that, that came into the city and you take a big drink of it, right? And you put it in your mouth and it's dirty and it's warm. What are you going to do? You're going to spew it out of your mouth, right? You're just going to spew it right out. And actually thought about doing an object lesson with that, but I thought my friends right up here would not appreciate that. So I decided not to, but I thought it would be a really good example. Um, but you can imagine because you've done it, you've put something in your mouth that was maybe too hot or that tasted terrible. And you've done this. You've spewed it right out of your mouth. And so Jesus is using that example here in scripture to talk to us about spiritual indifference. And so we're looking in the book of Revelation in chapter three, verse 15 and 16, where it says, Jesus is saying this, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so Jesus is writing to this church in Laodicea and he's saying, listen, I know what you did. I know what you didn't do this week. I, I've been watching you. I know what's going on and, and you're really busy and you're doing a lot of things and you, you were really busy this week. You did a lot of things and you gave yourself to many, many different things. But I wasn't one of them. And so he's confronting this church and he's saying, listen, you've become spiritually stale. You've become detached. You're getting complacent. And, and let me tell you something. This doesn't just make me sad, although it does make him sad. He literally is telling them, this makes me sick. I want to vomit you out of my mouth. And that's quite a description that he gives them in regards to their spiritual indifference, it sure does give us a picture of what that is like in our head. Because Jesus is looking at this church and he's saying, after all that I've done for you, you don't care at all anymore. You, you don't care. And so how, how did this church get here? How did they get to this place of spiritual indifference? So we're going to look at that today. What leads us to get to this place of spiritual indifference? And the first thing is that we become self-sufficient. So he's again saying to the church in Laodicea, again in, in verse 17, he says, you say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And so, again, he's, he's approaching them and he's saying, look, you think you have everything you need. You think you're incredibly rich. You're, you've built your city up really powerful. You have everything you need. You even brought yourself water in. You've got all that you need, but you are missing what matters most. 
Have you ever talked to somebody or had a conversation about your faith with somebody? Maybe you tried to share Jesus with them and, and invited them to join in this, this walk in Christ with you. Say, hey, come with me. Come to church. And I, I'd love for you to invite Christ in your life. And, and they've not even been interested in, in what you're saying. And they may have even turned to you and said, listen, I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm good. I, I have everything I need. I don't, have, I don't have time for that. You may have had somebody say that to you. Well, the truth is, we have so much. Every single one of us, if you look at your life, if you look at what you have, we have so much stuff, right? We have multiple cars. We have a boat. We have our iPhones. We have Netflix and Hulu, and we have sports that we're involved with. We have book clubs and, and this activity and that activity, and we have so much stuff in our lives, right? So many things. And I would also say that we're very highly capable people as well. Some of you are running your own business. Some of you may be a project manager at work, maybe a shift leader, and we can handle a lot of things, right? Maybe your job is really demanding and it's relying on you to produce in order to be a success, right? We rely on ourselves in so many areas of our life that we don't need God anymore. In fact, I would say there's no room for him. We have filled our days and our life up with so many things that there's literally no more room for God. And we end up filling ourselves with all these things, you know, around us, our stuff and all the activities we're involved in and all this. We, we end up just filling ourselves with all these things, but they're empty of meaning. But then because we're so full of those things, we actually end up being drawn more to them than we are to God. We fill our life with things that are leaving us spiritually bankrupt. I mean, if you think about it, there's just certain things, you know, that we do need in life. And, and I would say money's probably at the top of that list, right? I mean, we need money. If we're going to get food to eat, if we're going to have a house over our, our head, if we're going to have a car to drive to and from work, we, we need money, right? So we have to make money. And so, you know, we, we have to get it. So we go out and, and we do, we work hard for it. We earn it and we get it. And once we get it, we spend it and we just go out and get what we want and go out and get the things that we need because we have the money, right? Our health is also another important thing. I mean, if, if we're sick, what do we do? If, if we're not feeling well and we're sick, we go to the doctor and we go to the doctor. And what does the doctor do? The doctor helps us. He gives us medicine to, to fix whatever it is. Maybe we get surgery to get better. Our health is important. And so we have to work. We have to work to make the money and money and, and doctors for helping us when we're sick. They're important. They're so important and we need them. But I wonder if we just have not become so reliant on these other things that we've lost our need for God. I mean, if I need something, 
I have money, so I'll use my money to get what I need. If I'm sick, I'll go to the doctor, and the doctor will fix what's wrong with me, and, and I'll be fine. And we don't need God. Honestly, I've been to some, some other countries, some third world countries. I've been on mission trips and been to places in the world where they don't have either one of those things. They don't have money and they don't have doctors. And what I've seen has just transformed my life. And if you've ever had an opportunity, maybe you've experienced it too. I know our team is heading down to Guatemala right now, and they'll be in some of these incredibly remote places, and they're going to encounter this themselves. But what I noticed, and maybe you have too, is in places like that where they don't have money to go get the things they need, and they don't have doctors to help them when they're sick, what I've noticed is their desperation for God is way higher than ours is here because they have no other choice. It's a matter of life and death for them. It's a matter of them crying out to God saying, God, please heal my sick child. They can't take them to the doctor. They don't have the money to buy their kids the food that their kids need to eat. So they're crying out to God in desperation and God is all that they need because that's all that they have. And so I think that when we become self-sufficient and we start relying on all these things in our life and solely on ourselves, we can lose our need for God. It's a matter of life and death for those people in some of these remote places in the world. It's a matter of life and death for those Christians around our world and even in America that are being killed for their belief in God. It's a matter of life and death for those Christians being persecuted and tortured because they believe in God. So I would say for us, it's not a matter of life and death. And so we can just take care of everything we need at the click of a button. And so where is our need for God? And this, this self-sufficiently can lead us to spiritual indifference in our life where we just don't want or need anything from anyone, including God. And, and we end up saying, I'm good. I got this. I, I can handle everything myself. I got it. Another thing that I believe can lead us to spiritual indifference is that we are easily distracted. We're easily distracted. And I don't know, is, is this anyone? I know I am, I'm easily distracted. Is there anyone else here? Raise your hand if you're easily distracted. Is it just me? All right, well, a few of you, <laughs> a few of you raised your hand. Um, I, I know this is me. And so I've talked about this a number of times. I have to use our Pray First journal um, to keep myself on track when I'm spending time with the Lord. This is what helps me not be distracted because once I start spending time with the Lord and I start talking to him and I start praying and, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to pray through all the things I know I need to cover and all of a sudden I start thinking about this thing or this thing on my to-do list or, oh, now I got to do that or, oh, you know, um, and my mind is just shooting all over the place. Uh, I'm, I'm a very list-oriented person, so I know I've got these lists running. And so I'm thinking about things I need to get checked off my list. And my brain is going a million miles a minute. And I get so easily distracted. 
And maybe even here this morning, this might be happening to you where I'm talking and I'm mentioning something and it's making you think of this thing over here and you're like, oh, I got to do that. And then, oh, no, not this. And I can't forget that. And I got to go here. And so you're like easily distracted, right? This can happen for us, right? There's actually a, a ver couple of verses in scripture that talk about this and, and what happens. And it's out of the book of Mark in chapter four, verse 18 to 19. Um, and it's talking about seeds that are getting planted in different parts of the ground and what happens. And so this particular part is talking about the seed that fell among the thorns. It represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things. And so no fruit is produced. So you might relate with this. This is exactly what I was just talking about, where seed is being planted. We're trying to connect with God and spend time with God, and we're getting distracted by all these things, and we get pulled away. And so this might be you. This might be your story where you say, yeah, you know, I've been stirred spiritually. There's been something significant. I've, I've heard something significant that's just moved me. I, I've responded to God. I've said, yes, God, I will follow you. Yes, God, I surrender to you. Yes, God, I need you in my life. And maybe you've heard a message recently and you've said, oh, that was so good. I need to implement that in my life this week. I need to do that this week. But then... Your car breaks down, you have to deal with an issue at work, or maybe something happens with one of your kids, you have bills piling up that need to be paid, and there's a load of dishes in the sink, and never-ending laundry, and sports activities, and places you have to be, and meetings you have to attend, and you suddenly find yourself easily distracted. You might say, I love Jesus, but listen, I, I, I'm just, I'm busy. I'm busy. You know, I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I really, I really only have this much time for Jesus because I need this much time for everything else. It's just reality. I'm just, I'm just busy. Maybe, maybe you come to church once every few weeks, maybe once a month, and you say, yeah, well, you know, that's enough Jesus to last me. That'll, that'll last me a few weeks. I'm good. It's kind of, kind of like getting an immunization, right? They give you a little bit of the disease to cover you for the full-blown disease and to last you for years and years and years so you don't get that disease. It's, it's kind of like that. I feel like we can get to that place in our life with God where we're like, okay, we, we, we'll just take a little bit, and then we're good. We're good. That'll last me. I feel like we do that. With Jesus, we, we say, yeah, yeah, we believe in him. I, I claim him, but, but I'm not, I'm not going to take too much in so that it doesn't really change me. Maybe you take just enough Jesus in so that you know that when you die, you know where you're going to end up. So I know I'm safe, right? But I'm, I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to get desperate enough for God so that I really let him change my life. Because if I really let him in and I really let him change my life, I'm really going to have to change the way I live. I'm going to have to be different than the world around me. So we just take enough, just enough. 
but not so much that it drives us to our knees in desperation. We take, we take just enough Jesus in to feel better about ourselves, but not enough that it changes us and our world. So we can get really distracted by life and things around us. And it can pull us away to this place of spiritual indifference. Another thing that can lead us there is that we rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. In Isaiah 520, it says, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. And so we, we, get, we begin doing this in our life, right? We begin rationalizing our sin. Oh, it's not that bad. It's not so bad. I mean, come on. It could be worse, right? Have you found yourself ever saying that? To be honest, we've actually even renamed sin to make it sound not as bad. For example, I mean, you don't really hear somebody walking around saying, oh, you know what? I, you know, I, I, I've committed adultery. I, I, you know, I got caught in the act of adultery. We don't really hear somebody saying that, right? They're like, oh, well, you know, I had an affair. Oh, okay. Well, all right. That's not so bad. We've done this. We've done this. It, it doesn't sound so bad. It's not as bad, right? Or you don't really hear someone say to you, oh, well, you know, I, I had an addiction to pornography. We don't really hear many people say that, right? It's, oh, oh no, I, I enjoyed some adult entertainment. It's entertainment. Okay, right? We've rationalized sin. We've made it seem not so bad. And maybe you don't relate to those, but uh, you know, here's another example. We don't really walk up to people around us and go say, oh, you know what? I need, I need to gossip about somebody for a minute. I need, I need to share some gossip with you. No, we don't say that, right? We say, oh, I, I have to share a prayer request with you. The, the, oh, I have to pass along this prayer request. It's really important. Right? We've, we've rationalized sin. We've made it seem not so bad. And, and we say, well, it's not that bad. I mean, don't judge me. It's not, that's not too bad. Right? And so we've made it seem like the sin maybe that we're a part of is just not so bad. And that is leading us to a place of spiritual indifference. Another thing that leads us there is, is that we believe in Jesus, but rarely share our faith. And so why is that? Why are we not sharing our faith? Because we may have come to a place where we're just more concerned with impressing people around us than living for God. I mean, it tells us in scripture that we shouldn't be ashamed of sharing about God. It says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And that, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be ashamed. We're not supposed to be caring what other people think. We're supposed to be caring about them and, and their eternity right? But we, we become too focused on what they think and, and, and about offending them than the fact that their eternity is at stake. Because if we truly did, if we truly did believe that when people die, they're going to go to either heaven or hell, we would share about our faith. If we truly, truly loved them the way that God loved them and the love that we know we've received from God, we would share that with somebody. We would. We've gotten ourselves stuck 
and hung up on what they think and about the fact that we might offend them. I read a story recently about um, the magician duo called Penn and Teller. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're these two gentlemen and they do uh, magic tricks and have these big shows and, and travel around our country and, and do that. And one of them doesn't ever talk. I don't know if you maybe remember their name, but you might've seen them because one of the guys, he's really big. And then the other guy's a little bit smaller and he just never talks. He doesn't say anything at all. And so um, it's kind of an interesting duo, but um, I read an, an article about them because they're actually... Uh, professed atheists. So they are professed to be atheists. They talk about it when they're interviewed, they share about it, and, and they want everybody to know about the fact that they're atheists. And so it's no secret. And so after one of their shows they had, they were out meeting the people who came to the show, and there was some reporters around watching all this happen. And so this gentleman came up to them and he had a Bible with him. He was a Christian. He had a Bible with him and he gave them a Bible. And he just said, listen, I would love to pray with you. You know, Jesus is the only way and I'd love to introduce you to him. And, you know, I want to pray with you and stuff. And so, um, they obliged him, you know, they took the Bible from him and they, you know, they allowed him to say a prayer for them. Um, and then this reporter's watching this whole thing happen. And then the gentleman leaves and then this, this reporter asks them, they, he says, didn't that offend you? Aren't you offended by that? I mean, they know you're an atheist. Why would they do that? Doesn't that offend you? And th the guy that talks, he actually said, Actually, no, it doesn't offend me because that actually shows me how much that person cares about me because if they truly believe that's the only way to get to heaven, if they truly believe that's the best way, then that actually tells me that they care about me, the fact that they shared this with me. In fact, I would be offended if he hadn't shared. And so I think we can get too caught up in the fact that we might offend somebody if we share our faith or too caught up in caring so much about what somebody might think instead of us sharing with them and possibly changing their life forever for eternity, right? We can get caught up in that. Another thing that can lead us to spiritual indifference is that we only turn to God when we need him. And so, I don't know, maybe you found yourself here in life, at this place in life before. Maybe, maybe you've even done this a time or two and where you just, you know, kind of keep God in your back pocket, just, just for when you need him, just kind of pull him out whenever it's convenient, right? Maybe you're doing a business deal with somebody and they bring up the fact that they're a Christian, they know Christ and they go to church, they have a really strong faith. And so you're like, oh yeah, me too. I love God. I go to church and da, da, da. And, and oh yeah, it, it's convenient, right? At that moment, or maybe you just recently got a terrible diagnosis and it does not look good. And so all of a sudden you're like, God, I need you in this. Or maybe, maybe the bills are piling up and there's no way to pay it. And so you're like, God, I need your help with this. Only running to God in a time of crisis or when we need something is going to lead us to spiritual indifference. Because this, this whole thing is about a relationship with God. It's about engaging daily, every day with this relationship with God. And when we're only 
calling on him and talking to him in our time of need and our time of crisis, it's going to lead us to spiritual indifference. And the last thing that I believe that we may notice when we stop and take a look at our life and we look around at our priorities, the things we're involved with, the things we're spending our most time on, and we realize that we are not much different than the world. And you, you may have noticed this in your life. You may say, hmm, yeah, I've, I've noticed some of these things, or I've noticed that I'm watching some of the same shows and movies as everyone around me is, or I'm listening to the same music, or I'm spending my money the same way as, as people of the world around me are. And I've noticed my values and my moral standards are conforming to the world around me instead of being based on biblical standards and on what God is calling me to do. And if you have found yourself noticing that, you may be in this place of spiritual indifference. You know, I've gone through seasons like this in my life. There, I've had ups and downs, and, and it's going to happen. And you've probably experienced it too. And that's okay. That's okay when our relationship has ups and downs and ups and downs. But when we look around and see that some of these six signs are in our life, these signs that I shared with us today that can lead us, when we look around and we see some of these, those are warning signs for us to say, hey, wake up. Wake up. You're heading to a place that you don't want to be. And so Jesus is telling us this morning, listen, church, let's get rid of the spiritual indifference because it can so easily settle into our life so easily. And so today, after hearing these things and taking notice of our life and what's going on, I'm going to ask you, what is one thing you can do to reignite your spiritual fire? What can you decide to do today to become hot for God again? What is it? Because honestly, if we look back in that scripture, we can see that God, that Jesus is saying to this church, he's saying, listen, I'd rather you be cold. I'd rather you be ice cold than lukewarm. That's how big of a deal this is. He would rather us be cold than lukewarm. Now he wants us to be hot on fire for him. But if we're not going to be on fire, he says, listen, I'd rather you be cold. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be in the middle. Don't give up caring. That's not where our true life is found in him. So what do, what do, we, what do you need to do? What's the decision you need to make today to become on fire, to reignite that fire? Maybe you need to be praying more, spending more time in prayer. Maybe you need to be reading your Bible more and studying the word of God. Maybe you have sin that you need to confess before God and maybe before someone else. Maybe you need to share your faith. Maybe you need to challenge yourself every week and say, listen, I'm going to tell five people about Jesus this week. Maybe you need to ignite a passion for that. Maybe you need to be surrounded in a connection group so you have accountability in your life. 
Maybe you need to be serving on a team with us here at church or in the community. What do you need to do? What steps do you need to make to become on fire for God again? Because we need to do something every day that requires faith, that we rely on the Holy Spirit's leading. And so maybe you need to give a generous gift to somebody or apologize to someone. Or maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to pray out loud or talk to that neighbor that you know needs Jesus. Maybe you need to bring them to church with you. Maybe you need to start believing for a big miracle in your life. And every day, just pray in big faith because we're going to need to do things differently to battle against spiritual indifference. We're going to have to take a stand against it because it's gonna come in, it's gonna try to come in. And all of those things I shared today are examples of how it can. And so we have to take a stand against it. And so as you think about what you need to do today, we're actually gonna do this, we're gonna take a stand. So if that's you this morning and you've seen some spiritual indifference settling in, in your heart and in your life, I want you to stand up in this place today as we pray right now. Go ahead and stand on your feet raise your hands towards heaven right now if I was sitting right now I would be standing up because I know I've got some complacency I've got some things I have to deal with this message has been messing with me the whole time I've been preparing it and I've been convicted of many things and so I know we're all in this together and so let's raise our hands towards heaven and today we're going to take a stand against spiritual indifference So God, we reach out to you in this place today and we just declare how much we need you. Father, we know there's things that have come in our life that shouldn't be there, things that are distracting us, that are pulling us away from you. God, we've put other things in our life as a priority over you. God, we've rationalized some sin that we've been involved with. God, we haven't been sharing our faith with others around us. God, we've gotten to a place where we just don't care. So God, we we lay all these things before you. We lay them at your feet, God. We, We repent before you today of spiritual indifference. And we just declare today that we are gonna be on fire for you, God. Just ignite a fire inside of us to seek you like never before, to call upon your name like never before, to share about our faith like never before. God, now is the time, now is the day. It is now, Father, that we need be on fire for you. God, ignite that fire. God, I pray that we would have a passion like never before for the things of God.